Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 116 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Radio, uh, Rocket Sports Media, excuse me, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick. Happy Boxing Day. Well, happy Boxing Day, too. Um, and we're coming out a little earlier on Boxing Day than we usually do. And uh, yeah. so that everybody can have a chance as you're, as you're uh, you know, filing through the, the gifts that you, you got or, or maybe you're uh, looking at your gift cards and doing some Boxing Day shopping, you can have the Canadians Connection on in the background to accompany you. Absolutely. And that's... That's what we all uh, what we all want is something on in the background to listen to, especially about hockey. I mean, this time of year, with all the news that came out this week, you're going to want to oh. know all the latest <laughs> right. on what's coming up for this season. So, Rick, we uh, went from off, zero to sixty, right? We, yeah. we we had no hockey, and now we got all the hockey. We have all the hockey that you could possibly want, including the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. It's all happening at once. There's, it's it's incredible. It's it's truly incredible. But Rick, before we get going, how was your Christmas? Do you have a good Christmas? It was a very good Christmas. Thanks for asking. Um, and uh, yeah, it, different. It's different yeah. this year with um, you know um, the rules and the pandemic and so on. But uh, just happy to have uh, family and health and and all of that. Um, did you get everything you, you were looking for? I did. I did get everything that I was looking for. I got a good. water pick. I got a water pick, which wow. dental hygiene is very important. It's, and it's very good important. To have. So yeah. uh, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised by my water. I, I actually, I told you this story last week. Uh, I was not pleasantly surprised. Uh, unfortunately, pleasantly the, surprise, surprised. the surprise was ruined uh, because it was ordered online and uh, arrived at my doorstep. And I found it outside uh, with nothing covering it. So I, I knew that I was getting it for Christmas, but still... It's a lovely gift, and, and I'm very much appreciative uh, appreciative of that gift. Uh, very practical. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, Rick, it's it's been uh, it's been a wild week, um, and we had earlier this week, Wednesday, we had a really shocking bit of news that came out. And before we get there, we'll tee up what we're going to be discussing in the second segment, and it's sort of a continuation of a pod of a big topic that we've had. Earlier in the well, earlier in the year, back in November, we had the uh, most pressing issues. Well, now we're going to ask the five burning questions mm-hmm. 
facing the Canadians. So that's what we're going to get to in segment number two. But Rick, we'll start off with that little bit of shocking news that came out. I, I don't know if I'll say it was shocking, but it was a little bit surprising. You didn't predict uh, Montreal, it, did? I thought you yeah. predicted this. Did you predict I, this? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I predicted this. I don't know if I were a betting man. I'd put money on, on what actually happened. But Wednesday, the Montreal Canadiens signed Michael Frolik to a one-year contract worth 750000 Um So obviously not a huge, not a huge contract to dole out. Um but still a little bit surprising. I didn't think the Montreal Canadiens would go down this avenue, and uh, it sort of took me by surprise. Well, um, the, for the last couple of episodes, we've had an uh, unrestricted free agent watch list that yeah. we've been looking at. And, and uh, once, once the uh, NHL, NHLPA, came to an agreement and announced it, announced the, the rules that everybody's playing under, we saw some of those... Um, on, that were on our list, uh, Granlin Hall going to Nashville, um, and others, but uh, and some RFAs as well. Uh, it seemed teams now that they knew that what they were dealing with uh, made some some signings, and the Canadians, uh, for their part, uh, signed Michael Froelich, uh Split the season between Calgary and Buffalo last last year. Um, you know, you wanted depth. Well, here's some more depth, <laughs> and 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 maybe this um, we we get a hint of of um, on on the press zone um, earlier in the week. Uh, Amy and I were talking about how teams may strategize to use their taxi squad, and and we'll we'll give you the details on the taxi squad a little bit later. But uh, do you want your young guys there? Do you want your young guys playing in the AHL? Do you want to be able to have a, a group of uh, veterans that you can call on that can jump into the lineup, um, or do you want to have a mix? And and um, and it, it looks like the Canadians, uh, for a you know a, a cheap price, have have added a, a veteran to uh, their roster who could uh, take a place on that taxi squad. Yeah, so of course, uh, as with everything, we're going to wait and see what uh, exactly the Montreal Canadiens do, but perhaps tipping their hands there as to what their philosophy might be with respect to that taxi squad that we're going to be discussing a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but Rick, we'll, we'll move to the Canadiens' prospect report, and uh, Charles Houdon, a familiar name uh, over the last couple of years, and he's had some success playing over with Lausanne in, in, the, in, in the Swiss Hockey League, and, and he scored his fifth goal. He did. Um, it was the game-winning goal uh, for uh, Lucan in, in a five-three win. Uh, he's playing in in the Swiss league. Um, he's uh, in eleven games so far this season. He has five goals, five assists for ten points. So, um, you know, you wonder. Um, it seemed like uh, Charles Sudan did not have a place anymore in the current roster. Um, but when we're talking about taxi uh, taxi squads, is is uh, is it possible that he could be tuning up for a position, uh, for a place uh, on that taxi squad? We don't know. But uh, you yeah. know, uh, good for him that um, he's having uh, some success over in Europe. Absolutely, and yeah, you wish nothing but the best for Charles Houdon. It just didn't seem like uh, it, there was a spot for him in the NHL, as you said. So. Uh, this is a, a great way for him to perhaps gain some confidence and get a little bit um, of professional hockey under his belt. Um, so, yeah, this will be uh, interesting to watch to see if uh, perhaps he could play a part in that. But, 
Rick, we'll move on because earlier this week, uh, our friend, our colleague, Chris G., uh, he had his Habs notepad article on allhabs.net uh, entitled, Joanne Looking for Consistency. And uh, that's been something that has uh, been at the uh, forefront for the Montreal Canadiens the past couple of years. Jonathan Drouin, consistency issues. Uh, <laughs> and heading into this season, of course, there's all this sort of optimism about the Montreal Canadiens right now. And a lot of it has to do with what happened in the bubble in Toronto, the emergence of Nick Suzuki. We're going to be getting to that in segment number two. But we heard so much about chemistry with Nick Suzuki, and it's played a role in what people might expect heading into this season for Jonathan Drouin. Where is he going to play? What is, what is his value to this team? And, of course, we always have the question, is the work ethic going to be there? So, Rick, there's a lot of different avenues to go down here. I want to I give you the chance to sort of touch on this because there's a lot of conversation on the All Habs fan page on Facebook to do with Jonathan Drouin, and it led to our question of the week for this week. <laughs> That's right. Our question of the week uh, concerns uh, Jonathan Drouin and uh, will he be more consistent uh, this upcoming season? And uh, in the thir- third segment, we'll uh, read you some of uh, those comments from uh, our our, our uh, community group, our, our Canadians fan group uh, there on Facebook. Um, Chris has, has laid out, uh, and, and go to allhabs.net and read Chris's yes. uh, notepad article um, about uh, Drew Ann looking for consistency. He's laid out the situation that's happened over the, over the last uh, few years. Um, we remember that uh, in the 2018-19 season, uh, Duran seemed to start well and and uh, then all but disappeared um, after about February 1st. Um, just wasn't a factor at all. Ending up with um, just over 50 points in, in 81 games the year before, under 50 points at 46 in 77 games. Uh, and last year, um, off to a good start, um, as you uh, had said uh, um, uh, to me prior to the show, uh, uh, Starting out on the third line, and and I think you have some some uh, uh, comments to make about that. But he seemed to have a good start, and then ran into injuries. Uh, in the return to play again, uh, he was nowhere to be seen uh, for the start of that. But then for the last game and a half, I guess um, he uh, particularly the the last game. Um, you know, he he was he he's on the ice for for special team for for power play time. So some of the points he get gets is just because he's on the ice. But uh, he seemed to really have some chemistry that last game with Nick Suzuki, which has left a good taste in the mouths of yeah. of, of <laughs> fans, and that's what they remember. And so they say, well, for this season. Uh, Jonathan Drouin has to be on the power play. He has to be playing with Nick Suzuki. And um, when we look at at um, you know he ended up with in a in a injury riddled season. He ended up with seven goals and eight assists for fifteen points in twenty seven games. And and uh, when we look at where he might uh, fit into this uh, lineup, uh, I thought it was an interesting exercise. Um, Dom Lewishan, um, I'm going to say it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's better than I could say it. <laughs> well, um, with The Athletic, he's uh, he's uh, the, the analytics guru over there. And he's coming out, come out with a, a model for uh, 
player value. Uh, and it's kind of the best that we have so far. There's there's a number of these all-in-one kind of models, uh, some based on Corsi. This is expe- based on expected goals, which I think is a little bit better, but it includes uh, the defensive side and and, uh, and offensive side. It's probably the best we have. Uh, G- GSVA, game score value added, is what it's called. And uh, Dom went through the Canadians' um, roster, and created lines, um, putting the higher value players higher in the lineup. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and and there's not m- many surprises here. Uh, defense pairings. Um, you know, Brett Kulak and and um, uh, Ben Sherrod are point uh, one uh, apart. Um, so uh, you know whether one goes with uh, Weber or the other goes with. Uh, Weber and well, the other goes with Petrie. It, it it doesn't really matter, but but you expect either uh, the pairings to end up Schrott and Weber, Kulak, Petrie, Romanoff, Meta, Edmondson isn't in uh, this particular grouping. Um, you look at uh, the forwards, and that's well. Other than the the top line has Dano, Gallagher, and Tatar all. Uh, best at their uh, highest rated at their positions, uh, but then the second line has uh, Nick Suzuki uh, flanked by uh, Tyler Toffoli on the right side, Arturi Lekkinen on on the left side. I like that Arturi Lekkinen Suzuki uh, combo. I'd put Josh Anderson there and maybe have Toffoli playing with Kotkaniemi. Um, and on the third line, Dom has Paul Byron based solely on, on analytics and Jonathan Drouin, which many, um, are, are having him up near Nick Suzuki based on this, this, uh, you know, minimal, uh, chemistry that they, they developed at the end of the season, much in the same way, you know, Domi and and Suzuki were good for some games and then kind of went sour, um, they have uh, Jonathan Drouin on the second line, but uh, according to Dom's uh, analytics, Jonathan Drouin is no more than a fourth-line player, and he's got him with Jake Evans and Joel Armia. Um, and that might be a little surprising um, to to many fans, but maybe just a dose of reality. Yeah, and when we looked at this, and of course we are all thinking back, as you said, to the bubble his play with Nick Suzuki in that last game and a half and the the chemistry that Drewan spoke of after that game, having developed a little bit of chemistry with Nick Suzuki. But at the beginning of last season, when he got off to this to a good start, as as Chris alludes to, it was a season of two halves really for Jonathan Drewan. First half played alongside Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, to start the season, and it looked like they were developing a little bit of chemistry and. It, it, it became clear that maybe it, it might be the chemistry with Yasperi Kotkaniemi or it could be that he's playing against lesser competition on the opposition, whether it be the third line forward group, third defensive pair. You know, he's going to get more minutes against those groups. Um, but it, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of that. It might be the chemistry with Kotkaniemi and the fact that he's playing against that lesser competition. But in, in any in any case, I think that we're going to see him play with either Nick Suzuki or Jesperi Kotkaniemi this season. I, I, I mean, of course, 
I think I don't think it should be surprising that he's ranked as a fourth line player by Dom. I don't think that that should be a surprising thing because given what we've seen, this is there's a reason that when in Chris article in his article right here it said I won't be shocking anyone by saying that the expectations haven't been met in the first three seasons. Uh, since Drouin's acquisition. This season needs to be Drouin's best season of his young career by being consistent for the entire year. And Chris says he wrote that exact same sentence in his column last year. (laughs) So it just goes to show we have this conversation with Jonathan Drouin about consistency because we know the talent is there. And I think the reason why you play him with Nick Suzuki to start this season is because the most enthusiastic we've ever seen Jonathan Duran was when he was playing with Max Domi. Mm-hmm. That's the most enthusiastic. So you give him somebody who has got that skill level and the IQ and, and the ability to make some plays. But of course, we know that Nick Suzuki is that more well-rounded already in his young career, way more well-rounded than Max Domi. So you can have him out there and trust that he'll make smart plays most of the time where you just really couldn't do that with Max Domi. So... When I'm looking at where I think Mac, uh, where Jonathan Duran is going to start this season, I, I think it's either Nick Suzuki or Yasperi Kakanyemi. And at this point, I don't think that you can expect Jonathan Duran to be driving a line in their production. It's just we haven't seen it yet. There's no there's no uh, evidence that he can do that. But can he be a good complementary player to Nick Suzuki to Yasperi Kakanyemi? Perhaps he can. This that's the point. Uh, I think I think you made a great point there. Uh, driving the play, um, top six players, uh, all individually should be capable at various times of driving the play. Yeah, that's what you want from your top six. That's what you need uh, from a playoff bound team, from a contender. You need each one of those players to individually being able to drive the play. If Jonathan Drouin is a hangers-on kind of player and can perform well when uh, he feeds off of Nick Suzuki, or that's that's not a that's not a top six player. Um, that's not the kind. I, I mean, he, you know, people say his his talent is is unquestioned. I don't know. We haven't seen it since Junior. <laughs> yeah. Other than other than in in shootouts in three on three play, uh, we haven't seen him. Um, we haven't seen him be the kind of player that that uh, was was projected, and um, you know, in his young career, he's 25 years old, and uh, one of the scouts had pointed that out that you know um, he should be showing something by now. He's going to turn turn 26 during this season, and he should be in his the absolute prime of his his career. Um, I made the I made a terrible mistake and and uh, went to Cap Friendly, uh, <laughs> plugged in uh, forwards um, wingers that is uh, that make between uh, five million and uh, six million dollars, um, and Jonathan Duran right in the middle of that, um, and and it was sad and and compared kind of the the production. Uh, it was sad. It, you look at at the 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 names that are in that list, um, and and you say, "Wow, um, we could have that instead of Jonathan <laughs> Drouin." And, and 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 just a silly comparison. 
add $800,000 to um, Jonathan Duran's salary and you get to Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> and of course, no comparison in, in production, no. even though Duran has compared himself to McKinnon yeah. at various times. But um, my goodness, you have, you have all kinds of, uh, of uh, value in that. And looking at it just, just on a dollars and cents, um, he's not he's not um, worth his his value, um, and then you go back to the whole thing about the trade, and yeah. um, boy, that's that's discouraging because the hole that that Mikhail Sergachev left, and that um, that Mark Bergevin has been un- unable to fill um, yeah. since the since Sergachev left, and since uh, he let uh, Markov go. That's really discouraging as well. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's consequences for that, right? And we touched on this a little while ago. We were discussing the worst transactions that were made and the consequence of making that move. You leave that hole, you draft Victor Meta, and he has to play as an 18-year-old on that first pair with Shea Weber. Like, there's consequences to that that, you know, obviously uh, Victor Meta has been a little bit up and down throughout his career, and part of that might have just been that you rushed him along and you, you didn't have a better option. So, yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, definitely not one of his better moves, uh, Mark Bergevin. <laughs> and I, I guess you know he's he's now tied to his his legacy is tied to jo- yep. that trade, the Jonathan Duran trade, and that worries me that uh, some of the, the the realism, some of the the reality, whether you look at uh, and looking at numbers, whether it's uh, salary comparisons, whether it's uh, analytic comparing players uh, that uh, Bergevin isn't able to deal with Drouin um, in, in a realistic way because um, he you know he'll always be seen as as um, as bringing him here losing out on Sergachev uh, and and um, he has to keep promising that uh, Duran will fulfill that hope that that potential uh, because otherwise uh, it 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 presents as as a failure, and and I'm afraid that that uh, that will will become his his worst trade of all time. Yeah, I I don't think that there's I made the argument for Andrew Shaw that trade a couple <laughs> a couple months ago. Yeah. I think that we're we're on the the way to this being uh, the biggest the worst uh, trade uh, from Mark Bergevin. But Rick, uh, we'll shift gears a little bit here and go to the World Juniors. And last week. Had Mike Rashel on the show, discussed the World Juniors, discussed Team Canada, and of course, uh, since then he has uh, that article has come out and it's out there, uh, the Team Canada overview, uh, which is on allhabs.net, and you can go and check out that article and the AHL report. So it, it's fantastic. Uh, give it a read. It, it's well worth your time. But Rick, we'll start with Jan Mishak uh, because Jan Mishak was named Team Captain. For the Czech Republic, he was, and we'll get we'll get our B roll going here in the yeah. background of the Team Canada practice, which uh, yeah always makes us feel good. It does. <laughs> we we've been talking about Jan Mishak um, over over the last couple of months, and uh, whether it's his conversation with uh, Thomas Placanitz that he set yeah. up, um, just uh, uh, the self awareness. 
uh, the character, uh, and it, it's it's not surprising that the team saw leadership qualities in him uh, and have selected him as captain, and, and uh, great choice in our eyes, and uh, yeah. it's just this, this building resume. <laughs> uh, uh, I think of a, of a young player who uh, has has pretty great potential. If he gets any questions in French, he'll be able to answer them, as we discussed a couple weeks ago. That's taking right. some French class. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's prepared. And, and yeah, this seems like a great choice uh, for team captain for the Czech Republic. And of course, we'll point out there's two other Canadians prospects that are playing in the tournament. We got Cole Caulfield for the United States and 2020 first round pick Caden Gooley playing for Team Canada. So, Rick, there was five games played on and Christmas Cole, Day. Cole yeah, Coffee. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's, my goodness. He set Twitter a buzz earlier this Holy week. Holy cow. Uh, two goals in 35 seconds uh, in a tune-up game, a pre-tournament game against uh, Finland. But, uh, you know, again, we talked about uh, him uh, uh, maybe disappointing uh, yeah. when, when he was on uh, TSN, RDS, uh, earlier in the year, but uh, he certainly energized uh, Habs fans this past week uh, and got them oh, ready for the tournament, I think. That backhand goal was something else, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, when you look at it, of course, uh, tonight there's some there's some games, there's uh, five, or not five games, excuse me, uh, Canada opens the tournament against Germany, the Czech Republic are playing Sweden, and the United States playing Austria, so... There's some action for you to check out. But, Rick, uh, we should also note that Rocket Sports has been granted credentials by the IIHF uh, for the World Junior Championship. Kind of mentioned this in passing last week. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it, it's a big deal. Um, and uh, it's going to allow us to... Now, uh, it's different because of, of uh, yeah. the pandemic, but uh, it's going to allow us to bring you... Um, some interviews, uh, some some um, uh, uh, interviews with both players and, and coaches, and um, so be watching for that. We're going to have uh, some of the prospect information uh, articles being done by Amy Johnson on AHL dot report, and uh, Mike Rashel is going to continue with his uh, his impressions of the tournament. Start he started with Team Canada. You can go to allhabs.net and check that one out. Uh, but we're going to have uh, complete coverage of uh, the World Junior uh, Championship for you. Yeah, so definitely keep your eyes out for that coverage uh, on allhabs.net, the AHL.report. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be something to watch for. So, Rick, we'll move on. And, and we said last week uh, they said what was going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back with it this week. And uh, it's Elliot Friedman. On this week's Thirty One Thoughts podcast, uh, is there is there one more shoe about to drop for the Habs? Somebody told me too that Montreal might not be done. That Bergevin still wants really? to make his team better. Yeah, and it fits his mo, right? Like he's not afraid. This is. Um, uh, they said what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What did he say? My gosh. And I don't think now, Elliot Friedman, uh, in their their uh, 31 Thoughts podcast, he recorded this before the um, the Froelich signing. Yes. But I don't get the sense yeah. that Elliot Friedman was talking about the signing of My Michael Froelich when... He might uh, really like Michael Froelich. You don't know that. He might. <laughs> <laughs> but this sounds like, um, you know, uh, 
he says, uh, Mark Bergevin uh, may not be done. He he uh, wants to uh, improve his team, make his team better, and uh, would have to do some uh, juggling with. There'd have to be money going out, but uh, that uh, the GM may not be done. Yeah, and man, does does Sportsnet ever heap a lot of? I don't, like not just praise, but like the idea that Mark Bergevin is not afraid to do anything <laughs> yeah. at all. I mean, you you hear it from Brian Burke all the time too yeah. about the volume of trades that Mark Bergevin makes. Perhaps not <laughs> not all huge, gigantic moves, but I mean, yeah, they they are very uh, favorable uh, in in their uh, in their analysis of of Mark Bergevin and how he goes about his business. Well, they present uh, him yeah. as a as a bit of a gunslinger, you know. Yeah, so they so do. not afraid, but and and some can <laughs> can work, and and gunslingers, yep. you know, miss sometimes too. So. Um, We'll we'll see what happens. I just thought yeah. uh, for a, for a they said what segment that was uh, the perfect edition uh, this week. Holy cow, was it ever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Rick, we'll move it along because we have a lot to get to here because the NHL is back. We talked last week about the tentative agreement for a season that would begin on January thirteenth with teams playing a fifty-six game schedule. There were still things that needed to be ironed out with that, as you would expect. And, of course, it was just a tentative agreement. Now we know, January 13th, teams will begin their 56-game season. That's right. 56-game yeah. season. So um, Jonathan Drouin can't, <laughs> can't <laughs> wait. Can't have two seasons, as, as Chris said. 56 mm. games, that's a run to the playoffs. 56 games... Yep. Um, that's like uh, starting the season on December 1st. That's mm-hmm. like starting the season in your 27th game of the season. Already, two months of the season, all the kinks have been worked out, uh, and you're into December, and uh, that's that's when uh, teams kind of, de- well, we have a benchmark, even decide, are they going to the playoffs? Are they not going to the playoffs? So... 56 games is going to go by really quickly. Uh, no, no chance for eight-game losing streaks. No. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is uh, yeah. And, and you know, there, there are some questions to be worked out, and we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, but those have to be worked out in, in training camp. Um, and training camps are going to be um, rather brief, um, beginning on on January third, no preseason games, and uh, the issue too is that um, training camps are going to be much smaller, uh, the, not only shorter but smaller. Uh, Thirty six skaters and unlimited number of goaltenders, uh, but that's a far cry from the sixty player yeah. roster that we've seen in the past for training camps. Yeah, they say that uh, a season is a marathon, not a sprint. No, this is a sprint. This is the 100 meters. You have to get going right away. (laughs) There's no time. And you said if they have an eight-game losing streak, if they have two like they did last year, there's only 40 games left. So you do not have any time uh, if you're the Montreal Canadiens. But, Rick, yeah, so you touched on that. So camps will begin January 3rd. Um, The rosters, as we touched on, will be expanded to include a four to six player taxi squad. So, Rick, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, uh, that taxi squad, um, four to six players who will be 
um, as, uh, like your, it, it's it's a group that that may travel with the team. It's a group that may practice with the team. That's that's up to the individual teams, uh, but that group must include a goaltender. So there's going to mm-hmm. be uh, essentially three goaltenders on the roster. Um, those players must, um, uh, if if they're waiver eligible, they must uh, clear waivers uh, to get there. Uh, they will be paid as if they're AHL players, um, and and you know they're they're a taxi squad. They're they're a group that's that's going to be there uh, in case uh, there are COVID issues or injuries or yeah. whatever whatever it might be. We've seen it uh, in in uh, other sports uh, that that uh, um, that that it's it's a. Uh, it's a mechanism for for quickly getting um, uh, players uh, on your roster. The th- there is a a little bit of a technical kind of issue um, that normally when a uh, when a uh, player goes on LTIR, um, they have to they have to see a doctor. They have the right for a second opinion of a doctor. There's a whole process. This, if you get a COVID positive test, a team is allowed to put you on LTIR immediately, and then you can uh, make use of of uh, that taxi squad. So, um, the other the other thing that the taxi squad is going to allow is teams to manage their cap. We know that that uh, a lot of teams have at least half of the teams in the league have very little cap room, a million and a half or less. Uh, other teams are on strict uh, team-imposed budgets uh, because of, of a lack of revenue. Uh, so, so being able to, to take your players and on off days or uh, strip down and, and move players to the taxi squad is going to happen. You're going to see, um, you know, press releases galore about uh, somebody being moved to uh, on or off uh, the, the taxi squad. Yeah. Um, and uh, the interesting part is how you're going to manage that. And we touched on that earlier with uh, the signing of Michael Froelich. Who are you going to have on that roster? Are you going to have Noah Juleson, who needs mm-hmm. games? Who, um, yeah. uh, or would you rather have him in, in, in the AHL? Um, are you going to have Ryan Paling if he doesn't make the roster? Jake Evans, uh, any of these players? Or is your uh, taxi squad going to be make, made up of Alex Belzeal, uh, Xavier Ouellette, uh Otto Leskinen, um, Lucas Vedemo, even uh, yeah. kind of a, a versatile player. Um, Gustav Olsen, Jordan Wheel to save money. Uh, is that going to be your 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 taxi squad? Um, it's going to be it's it's going to be fascinating to watch how teams strategically manage uh, their cap, manage their their players, and remember um, that that if waivers in, are involved. Other teams might dive in and, and uh, nab one of these players. Although um, with so many players in, or with so many teams in, in ca- having cap yeah. issues, it's not going to be uh, as easy to to make waiver claims. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the approach that teams take with the taxi squad. And of course, we touched on that with Froelich. Perhaps that tips the hand for the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe they would like a more veteran group and allow young players to get in game action with Laval. Uh, We'll wait and see, though. Um, So, Rick, we know and we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks, the Canadians are going to be a part of a seven-team All-Canadian 
North Division. That is the name of the division, the North. Uh, and this, of course, we knew that this would lead to temporary realignment in other divisions. Mm-hmm. It has. And uh, the Canadian division is is uh, perhaps one short, just seven teams. All the others, West, Central, and East, are, are eight teams. Um, and and um, they've, they've been kind of put together more or less geographically. Uh, yeah. the, the East, um, Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Um, the North, we the North, boring the... Yep. Boring the <laughs> The phrase um, uh, with uh, with all the Canadian teams. Now, there's still some issues to work out with respect to the provincial health authorities, and yeah. uh, uh, but it doesn't look like uh, what the threat was, uh, where where uh, teams would have to um, uh, Canadian teams would have to play in the U.S. There may be some relocation, um, and uh, that's that's yet to be be announced. Um, but for now, and there there may be uh, there may be bubbles, and and uh, as I understand, that's kind of uh, that's kind of fluid as well. If 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 a jurisdiction crops up, uh, there's a backup plan for for uh, the Canadians. Their backup is is playing in in Toronto. Um, you know, there's there's uh, Edmonton could possibly become a, a divisional yeah. bubble. Uh, there's all kinds of there's multiple layers with with this kind of thing for uh, for backups um, because um, you know the the provincial and state uh, and and in some cases county uh, uh, legislatures uh, have have changing rules and and uh, things might change uh, throughout uh, the next few months. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all something that we're going to have to wait and see until we get there. We'll know what exactly is happening. But Rick, one thing that we do sort of know at this point in time, it's been the case for other sports leagues, fans will generally not be permitted in arenas in most cities. There are possible exceptions. We've seen with the start of an NBA season, there are areas where they are allowing fans in. Um, the Raptors are playing in Florida. They had fans in attendance for their preseason game in Tampa Bay in the Amelie Arena where the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will be playing. So you would assume that that might be a spot where they could have in, in the NHL as well. And, and, of course, the Florida Panthers. I mean, there's, there's, there's possibilities here for exceptions, but the general truth is fans are not going to be permitted in arenas in most cities. Generally, that that's right. And, yeah. And, um, you know, we've seen on Twitter that um, that that some have have said that they would um, allow limited number of fans, yeah. uh, whether whether it be Dallas, Arizona, Florida, some of those. Uh, but generally, um, generally, we probably won't see fans, uh, and I, I I think it's unlikely that we'll see fans uh, in Canada. Yeah, that that would be a big surprise if we do see that. Um, so, Rick, of course, with this realignment with the North Division and with all the other, uh, with the Central, the West, and the East, you're, you're having a question now of what the playoffs are going to look like. And it's not going to be too different from what we, it's still going to be 16 teams. I guess it's going to be different from what it was in the bubble. <laughs> I guess it will be different from that. But we're used to there being 16 teams in the playoffs. And it's going to be the top four in each division, and that will begin on May 11th. That's right. Um, again, we'll, we'll have a, a 
we have our our critical dates calendar kind of yeah. uh, readjusted, <laughs> and uh, with playoffs beginning uh, on the 11th, and the last possible day uh, for the playoffs is July the 15th, just ahead of the Olympics. Um, so it it's going to be more of a an old fashioned kind of divisional format. As you said, the top four teams in each division uh, will will um, play down, and and so there will be a divisional winner that will meet uh, eventually in a in a semifinal. So there will be a Canadian team in uh, the Stanley Cup semifinals. Wow! So there you go. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so Rick, of course, with this. There is, as there has been with the MLB, with the NFL, uh, with the NBA, you have to understand that there are going to be positive tests, most likely along the way, and there's going to be protocols in place for these players and the staffs of these teams to follow. So what is that protocol? What does that look like for the NHL? A whole bunch of pages, and I've read yeah. through all of them. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, it's really detailed, and 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 should be. You know, it yes, it really should course. be. Um, some of the highlights, maybe that's going to be a little bit different from what we saw in the bubble. Coaches are going to be wearing masks uh, behind yeah. the benches. Um, that players who test positive uh, will be identified. I remember we had that yes. silly kind of, but they will be be identified. Uh, when a, 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 a player uh, has a confirmed positive test, um, any teammates who are identified as close contacts uh, won't be required to quarantine because um, that would, you know, that could wipe out. Uh, yes. Yeah. But they will have to have uh, negative tests. Um, each team will designate one hotel for uh, the visiting teams. Um, and it says that as, uh, you know, for the most part, there won't be, uh, fans in, in the buildings. However, seating areas are going to be set up in, uh, each arena for families of players, uh, which uh, was a bit of a complaint with the bubble. So, uh, those are kind of, uh, the highlights of, of some of the protocol, the COVID protocols, uh, that you're going to see, um, once, once the season begins. Yeah. So that'll be... That'll be interesting to see because as we, yeah, you talked about that where we would just try to have to piece together. There'd be a player that wasn't at, you know, a practice or whatever. We have to piece it together (laughs) instead of there just being an announcement as there was in other sports leagues. It it just seemed a little bit, um, a little bit strange to have it that way. But uh, Rick, in addition to this, so of course the NHL being back, a lot of the focus is on the sorts of things that will be unique about this season, but there's things that, that related to the game itself that have been changing, and there is a rule change for 2020-2021, and it is something that has been uh, a little bit, uh, that has been criticized a little bit over the last couple of years, the offside rule. Yeah, and it's that skate in the air. Um, yeah. Is the skate touching <laughs> the ice, touching the blue line? Uh, that has been that has been changed to uh, the the blue line being uh, being a plane and and extending upward uh, beyond the ice. So it's it's uh, breaking the plane. So a, a, a player whose uh, skate is in the air but but not touching will will be it'll be treated differently uh, than it has been treated. Um, for the most part, I think uh, people have been pretty positive about this, although I did see a former NHL referee Paul Stewart uh, being concerned about this, that 
that the the old rule uh, was safer. It it helped uh, players keep their skates on the ice. Um, but for the most part, I I think it's been uh, the feedback has been relatively positive on this. Yeah. And if, yeah, it's been at the forefront the last couple of years. So you kind of figured that there might be something that would change with this rule. And yeah, there there it is. But uh, Rick, one other thing, uh, there's going to be a one year trial for advertising on players helmets. There is. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is um, boy, I, I don't want I, I don't want to see, see this can of worms opened up. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know what what uh, yes. jerseys look like in in Europe, um, and uh, uh, this is the, the NHL is dipping a toe in. Uh, yeah. I understand there's 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 there are certainly revenue issues for the team, and uh, this is a way of uh, and and it's supposed to be a, a one year trial. Uh, although once you start something, it's it's hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, but a, a way of of raising fifteen million dollars uh, through this hel- um, advertising on helmets. Now, some uh, for some uh, teams, uh, it's not necessarily additional money, uh, but it's it's a way to fulfill commitments uh, that have been made or, or sponsorship commitments that have already been made and and can't be fulfilled because of the pandemic. This is a way that they can fulfill them. So it's a mix of of uh, fulfilling commitments and and new money, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, so yeah. f- so far, the the mockups that I've seen uh, are not are not too bad on the helmets. No, yeah, it's it's once you get to the. This is I, I'm okay with this. Once you get to the jersey, it becomes a little bit concerning. And in the recent years, the NBA they have a patch. Each team has their own patch advertising of a, of a company, or a, you know, um, a, you know they have sponsorship on their jersey. But it isn't like as you touched on Europe, some of the jerseys where it's just it's basically like a collage of sponsorship oh, and the pants logos on everything. <laughs> They're yeah. everywhere. So. Yeah, you hope it doesn't get to that point. I think one on the on the helmet is pretty inoffensive uh, in in the grand scheme of things, but uh, it's a one year trial, so we'll see. We'll see if that sticks around, uh, and if that might become the new norm. So, Rick, uh, before we head on to the second segment, are there any other news items that we have to share? Indeed, there is, sir. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to circle back to something uh, we mentioned a bit earlier, and that was about uh, the provincial government still, the provincial health authorities uh, still having um, some concerns. Um, but I wanted to make sure that uh, I mentioned that Bill Daly came out and said those concerns don't involve uh, the teams playing in their own arenas. He said, according to the discussions, uh, that they've had, that's deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, um, said that, uh, he believes that, uh, all teams, uh, are cleared to play in Canada in their own buildings. Uh, his quote is on the basis of our discussions, that's with the provincial health authorities in the last week, as well as our exchange of correspondence over the last 24 hours, we believe we are aligned and in agreement on the conditions on which each of our Canadian franchises can begin to play in their own buildings for the start of the 2020-21 season. Um, so that direct from Bill Daly. Now, the things that they're, they're still working on, um, that's the, the provincial health authorities have, have asked them to consider, the NHL to consider adjusting the schedule to minimize the travel 
uh, and that particularly in those uh, first few months um, uh, in January and, and February, uh, given that that there are lockdowns in place uh, in 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 a number of provinces. So um, there there are some things to be worked out, but those things won't prevent um, uh, teams from starting in their own buildings. So says Bill Daly. Now, the exciting news, or at least the news that had Twitter astir, social media uh, all astir, and that was the announcement of the NHL schedule. All teams released uh, their 56-game schedule, including the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, fans were, were pretty pumped with what they saw. In an all-Canadian division, um, there are there are six other teams other than the Canadians, so seven-team North Division, uh, and the head-to-head uh, breaks down so that the Canadians play the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators ten times. Uh, the The Western Division team, the Western teams that that uh, we traditionally call it, although all be in the North Division now, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal will play each of those teams nine times. And the season starts for the Montreal Canadiens on January 13th, we found out, and they will be on the road uh, facing the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's January 13th in Toronto for the opening game of the season. That is the uh, first game of a six-game road. Canadians begin on the road for six games. Um, starting in, in, uh, in Toronto, as I said, um, and, and then they'll go on to, uh, Edmonton, um, and, uh, and, and play a couple of games for the Oilers, uh, three game series against the Canucks. They won't be, they won't play their first, uh, home game, uh, at the Bell Center until January 28th. Uh, so uh, a bit of time to wait for the Canadians to, uh, play at home. Uh, the season ends, uh, early May. Um, and that is with a three game, uh, series in Toronto, a three game road series in Toronto from, um, May 3rd to May 8th in that, uh, in that stretch. So, uh, you can imagine uh, if there's a, a, a playoff uh, fight that includes the uh, the Leafs, that's going to be um, a, a very exciting final series of the season. So um, Twitter's excited, we're excited, and um, and and seeing the schedule out there made everything kind of uh, concrete. It's going to happen, and we're going to have we're going to have hockey, Montreal Canadiens hockey on ice, very very soon. And we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Still to come, we do have that question of the week in the third segment. Do you think Jonathan Duran will be more consistent this season? We're going to get to responses in the third segment. But before that, we have five burning questions facing the Montreal Canadiens this season. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, 
passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. With me in studio, the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, when we look ahead to this season and this is where we wanted to take the focus for this week was looking ahead because we have all this news about the 56 game season um we wanted to look ahead but we also know uh, we also knew that just over a month ago november 7th we did a dozen pressing issues for the montreal Canadiens. so we sort of condensed that a little bit because we understood we, we knew that some of those questions we, we've already learned the answers to. What is the mm-hmm. season going to look like? All those sorts of questions have been answered. Now we have five burning questions that are facing the Montreal Canadiens heading into this season. Because when you look at what's happened over the course of the past couple of months in a very short offseason, Mark Bergevin has done a lot of work. There's been a lot of there's been a significant makeover here for the Montreal Canadiens. So we wanted to have this follow-up to that episode 109 that took place November 7th with a big topic with the dozen most pressing issues. Now we have five burning questions. Uh, so, Rick, this we've is going to be... It. We've, we've, we've yeah. dist- we put it in the distiller and, yes. and we focus these and now they're, <laughs> now they're heated. Now they're burning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we have... Uh, this is going to be a fun conversation to have. And I, I guess we'll get started where uh, we've already sort of touched on this with the Jonathan Drouin conversation. Will Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi emerge as the Canadians' top two centers this season? Because we know that Philip Deneau wasn't quite happy with that third line role. We'll be getting to that in a little bit. But we know as well. Claude Julien is a vet-friendly coach, likes the guys that he knows and has had success with. Philip Deneau has been that. So in a 56-game season, is he going to be willing to give the keys to Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi? 
the issue is that for the Canadians to be uh, be that team, be that uh, playoff bound team, be that even going to the next step to being a contender, uh, they must upgrade uh, the centers, and and they've 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 drafted and traded and and, and have a uh, young players ready to make that leap. Are they ready to make that leap from the the start of the season? Um, and 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 as you said, is uh, Philip Deneau ready to relinquish that role? But you know, make no mistake, uh, the Canadians will not have success with Philip Deneau as the placeholder on that. For he's been a placeholder, uh, waiting for for the young talent to develop. Uh, the the Canadians need Nick Suzuki to take the reins as the first line center. Need Jesperi Kakinyemi to to take over as second line center, as they did uh, in the in the playoffs. Um, now they need to be able to do it and do it on a consistent basis uh, before uh, the team will have success. The, the reach start reaching. Uh, its potential and and the question you know that's the question will um, in in a shortened season uh, will uh, Claude Julien be able to go with that right out of the starting gate or is he going to move back to his comfort zone and say you know I, ju- I just can't I just can't risk it yeah and that's that's the one thing that I wondered is if in a condensed season if Claude Julien is going to lean to that familiarity, thinking that it's going to be a benefit for the Montreal Canadiens, that they have a first line with Tatar, Deneau, and Gallagher that has benefited them in the past. It's obviously ran hot and cold. But if you can supplement that first line with lines like Kotkaniemi, with Kotkaniemi and Suzuki driving those second and third lines, does that give you enough offense with more talented wingers, with Tyler Toffoli in the mix, with Josh Anderson, that's going to be something that you're going to have to wait and see. But for me, when I was thinking about this question, it, you also have to think about, and I know that it might sound like a superstition, in there, but the sophomore slump, right? I mean, we, we talk about it every year. Could it happen to Nick Suzuki? And if it does, I mean, in whatever form it takes over a 56-game season, is that something that you're going to have to wait to, to, you know, try to work around if he has some struggles, runs into some struggles? That that could be the case. These are both two young guys. I, I'm less concerned, weirdly enough, about Kotkaniemi, given all that we saw happen last year. I'm less concerned about him because it seems as though we've seen, in, in terms of his, it seems like he gained a lot of perspective last year. In terms of his approach to the game, his 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 mindset heading into this, it seems to be very mature. I, I think perhaps you would worry about him being able to stay healthy, though. When you look back at some of the things that happened last year, Eddie, I mean, that was Nikita Zadorov who decided to pile drive him into the ice. That wasn't exactly something that he could uh, really avoid, and then the spleen injury as well is something that doesn't happen that much, but. I think that there's there's a less concern about Yasperi Kotkaniemi because he just seems to have matured a, a lot in a very short period of time. So, of course, we have to wait and see, but there's there's reason to believe, and we have the optimism based on what we saw in Toronto, that these guys can do it. Um, but that was a 10-game sample size. So it's it's fit to do it for 56 more, you know, let's do it for 46 more games. That's going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, for those two guys. So we'll have to see if they are up to that challenge and if they can be that one-two punch for the Montreal Canadiens down the middle. 
Now, uh, Sportsnet, Justin Bourne uh, has selected uh, Nick Suzuki as one of his uh, breakout candidates. Um, about Suzuki, he says, Man, Montreal Canadiens fans had to be pleased watching the strides Suzuki made between the March pause and the playoffs. Uh, just months later in 2020, put up huge numbers in junior, but only scored 13 times in 71 games for the Habs last season. I feel extremely confident he'll blow by maybe doubling those numbers in a 56-game season. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, that's that's optimistic. Let's hope, yeah. <laughs> so, Rick, the one question that I think concerns me the most heading into this season, because it's a 56-game season, it's condensed, there's going to be more games in a shorter period of time. When you look at what Carey Price has been asked to do over the last couple of years, the load that he has been asked to carry by the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I mean, you did not get a whole lot out of Keith Kincaid. You did not get a whole lot of, out of Antini Emi. So now they've invested big time in Jake Allen, who is going to make $4 million, over $4 million this year. And, and of course, we know that he signed the extension with a little bit of a, of a cut in that to just over $2 million over the next uh, over the next two years after that. But you have invested money in Jake Allen, significant money, more than you did with Keith Kincaid, more than you did with Antti Niemi. So now there is there is an expectation that needs to be met from Jake Allen. And whether or not he can do that is a legitimate question that I have and a concern that I have facing the Montreal Canadiens this season. I, I don't know, based on what we've seen, I think that you go back to last year, and of course in the sample size that we have, Jake Allen was able to do that for the St. Louis Blues and be a guy in 20 or so games that could give you, he had 14 quality starts last year. You did the math because you're the math guy. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I struggled to add 10 plus 46 a couple of moments ago. So <laughs> you're the math guy and you discovered that in this season, that would be, they would need 17 quality starts out of in a 46 games, in a 56 game season. That would be the number that you're looking for. Yeah, if if we're looking at at twenty five quality starts in a normal season, yeah. uh, which would leave fifty seven for Price, uh, then uh, prorating that on a fifty six game schedule, you'd have seventeen start uh, seventeen starts needed from Allen, thirty nine from Price. That seems about a reasonable split. Whether it's yeah. whether it's seventeen for Allen, eighteen, nineteen. Um, I, I don't, I don't see Carey Price wanting to play much less than, <laughs> uh, than the 39 games, but, um, because game it, it, we have, we'll, we'll take a, uh, we'll analyze the schedule, but, uh, I, I think that's kind of where we're going, uh, with respect to, uh, with Jake Allen. And remember, uh, uh, goaltending depth includes not only uh, Carey Price and Jake Allen, but that third goaltender that will be on the taxi squad, perhaps yeah. Charlie Lindgren. Uh, the goaltending depth in in uh, in the AHL. We don't know if uh, the AHL will also have uh, a rule that three goaltenders will be required, and in that case, uh, the Rocket are are well set up with Demchenko, Primo, and McNiven. Um, so uh, all of these things, uh, the, the Canadians, um, have, have, uh, struggled with respect to goaltending depth. And as you yeah. laid out, 
Mark Bergevin threw a lot of money at it this year, <laughs> and hopefully uh, that solved the problem. You would you would certainly hope so, and I think, like I said, uh, there's a body of work from last year that suggests that Jake Allen can be the answer to these questions that he has is capable of doing it. But I mean, you look at what he had in front of him last year was the defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have improved significantly. They they are not the defending Stanley Cup champions. They are not that quality of team. Will he be able to do that? How much of a factor did that team in front of him play in his success remains to be seen. But that's going to be something to watch this year. And it's one of the burning questions that we have about uh, whether that's going to be facing the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, Rick, we'll, we'll move on because one of the things that has hampered the Canadians in recent years has been special teams, specifically the power play. And when you look at what's been done this past offseason, uh, this short offseason uh, from Mark Bergevin, you go out and you acquire Josh Anderson, you acquire Tyler Toffoli. There was a concerted effort there in acquiring some goal scoring that the Montreal Canadiens have sorely lacked in the last couple of years. So the one thing that, 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 is, that remains to be seen is the Canadians, they don't have the elite forwards like some of these other Canadian teams have. Like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, have, have just elite forwards coming out everywhere. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, of course, with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. There's teams, the Canadian teams have elite forwards. And that also, of course, contributes to their power play. Without that, can the Canadians compete? Can they have a, a top 15 power play in the league? It'll be a reach. The Canadians' power play yeah. was 22nd in, in uh, the league last season, uh, 17.7 um, efficiency um, rate on that. Um, and and, and I, I think there's, there's a couple of problems with the Canadians' power play. Um, maybe three issues uh, that I see. One is, is um, and, and this goes not only on the power play, but with respect to five-on-five, five. we know the Canadians have had problems finishing. They, we know they've had problems going to the net. They get a lot of shots, uh, don't get to the rebounds, or don't get in good shooting positions. Lots yeah. of perimeter uh, shots. So um, that's, been, that's been an issue. Another issue is... Uh, they don't have enough uh, quality forwards, a lack of elite forward, as you said, uh, for one power play unit, never yeah. mind two. And yeah. you need uh, two effective power play units. Uh, and Kirk Muller, uh, when we played um, uh, his uh, media conference, he talked about the, the, his desire to have two balanced units. Uh, and, and that's been missing. Um, the other issue is is uh, a power play quarterback. Ever since um, the uh, departure of, of Andre Markov, that role hasn't been filled. They've tried forwards there. They've tried Jeff Petrie there. Uh, Shea Weber is a weapon, and as we've heard from from other teams, it's a weapon that they prepare for. Uh, yeah. He's a huge weapon on the power play, but isn't used well. Uh, because uh, he doesn't have a Markov there to set him up, um, so I think those are those are the issues. Now, have they have they solved those issues? Well, certainly Josh Anderson uh, creating traffic in front, uh, Tyler Toffoli as a as a sniper as a trigger man uh, that helps, uh, and it may allow 
um, Claude Julien and, and uh, Dom Ducharme and Kirk Muller to rotate some of the other uh, players out of areas where they haven't be, been effective. Jonathan Drouin has has been dismal on the power play where he should be effective. Um, you know, not willing to go to the front of the net, not willing to dig the puck down low. Down low, uh, it has been open for the Canadians with uh, with teams overprotecting on Weber, but they haven't taken advantage of that. Uh, could he be moved into a, a, a better position? Um, there's there is some weapons, still a lack of of elite forwards, but there are some weapons and and. And maybe Nick Suzuki uh, uh, providing more time for him on the power play uh, helps solve some of these issues. Yeah, and, and I remember we touched on Shea Weber being a weapon that teams prepare for. I remember so much was made of him being moved from the blue line to what is called the Ovechkin spot on the ice. And, and Shea Weber saying, well, look, I've, I've been in that spot before in my career. It isn't the first time that I've been there. It's just... It, it's a different way of trying to create openings for Shea Weber that ultimately didn't work because the Montreal Canadiens didn't have any other weapons that teams needed to be concerned about. And that's the big issue with their power play the last couple of years is you know that Shea Weber one-timer is there and, and you know sometimes you can't stop it because Shea Weber it just shoots the puck so hard. It's, it's just not going to be stopped sometimes. But more often than not, teams prepare for that. They're ready for it. They know it's coming. They can take it away. They can shadow him a little bit. The one thing that gives me a little bit of hope about the Montreal Canadiens, I don't know if they're going to have a top 15 power play in the league this year. This In the last couple of years, we've seen the same guys step over the boards every time the Montreal Canadiens have a power play. There are legitimate options here now that if things don't work out the way that you hope in the, for the power play, you can go to different guys. Mm-hmm. You can try different things. There isn't going to be, and you can't afford, quite frankly, in a 56-game season to get married to two power play units. You have to be, if it doesn't work, you have to try to be fluid and try other guys in those spots. And the Montreal Canadiens, I think, are well-equipped to do that this year. They have options. They might not be the names that you look at. You see, they're not McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're not Matthews Tavares. They're not... You know, uh, Pedersen and Besser, but they're options. They have them. So there should be a little bit more success in the power play this year. I'm not sure it's going to be top 15 in the league, but it should be a little bit better. It should get you a goal every now and then rather than having to depend solely on five on five goal scoring. Uh, and we know that that runs hot and cold. Um, but yeah, it's it's getting into that home plate, as you touched on, not floating shots in the way that the Montreal Canadiens have been doing from the perimeter, getting in that home plate. And, and if they can do that, and especially on the power play, work the puck around and get into that middle of the ice, then perhaps they can be a little bit closer to that top 15 in the league. Um, but Rick, we'll, we'll move on to one other question. Uh, we have two more, but this one I think is a huge question that faces the Montreal Canadiens this year. What does the future hold for Philip Deneau? Uh, and we remember back to the bubble, the end of it. The Montreal Canadiens go out in six games against the Philadelphia Flyers. And days later, you hear from Philip Deneau, well, I, I didn't really like my role in the bubble. I didn't like that I was playing a third-line center role, shutting down the opposite team's best forward line. Uh, and that... That rubbed people the wrong way because, of course, they're coming off of some team success and you saw the emergence of Suzuki and Kotkaniemi and 
to hear that, I mean, it sort of put his future. We remember we had the conversation. Is it more likely that Max Domi gets traded or Philip Deneau gets traded? It put his future in jeopardy a little bit, and, and at least in conversation about whether the Montreal Canadiens would go forward with him. But now he's here, and we expect that he's going to be on the third line. Will he excel in that role as a shutdown center? Will he want to be in that spot? These are things that... I mean, it's it's a really interesting question, Philip Deneau, heading into this season. Philip Deneau is is the kind of guy who's very frank. He'll he'll tell you yeah. what he's what he's thinking, and you like that for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's also said some things that have got him into trouble. He he, he said how inhumane it would be uh, mm-hmm. to to be in a bubble situation, and and uh, he managed to survive that. Um, uh, and 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 the the comment that he made uh, right after uh, the Canadians exited the playoffs about uh, not interested uh, in a defensive role. Um, hopefully, he's had a chance to reflect on that and and see how valuable he can be. Uh, listen, he has benefited uh, from from uh, being the only guy that the Canadians had to play first line center. He doesn't belong there. Um, he's, he's, he's got very good, uh, defensive skills. We saw a bit more offense out of him this past season, but at the same time, uh, the, the defensive side of his game really suffered. Um, and, and so if he can be playing fewer minutes on, on, uh, up in the lineup and, uh, become a little bit better on the Canadians have to be better on the penalty kill too. And a lot of that sits on the shoulders of Philip Deneau and, and his focus has to be on the defensive side of the game and, and playing a very important role, third line role. Um, and, and knowing that, that, uh, with, uh, and Suzuki, uh, in the top two slots that it will carry the team further, uh, then he could be able to um, carry the team in in the top slot. So, um, you know, I, I hope that that there's been some um, uh, better self awareness uh, of where he where how he can best contribute to the organization, um, and and hopefully we'll see that as as the season goes on. And and then if if all of that happens, then there's a place for him on the team, and and we'll see Mark Bergevin. Uh, sign him uh, to a longer-term contract. Yeah, and and I think, listen, there is an incredible value if Philip Deneau is willing to accept this role as a third-line center because we know that that is what drives teams forward is having those guys down the middle of the ice. Those are the ones, those make the difference. That's why the Montreal Canadiens for so long have been looking for those guys, those number one, they, they didn't have for a period of time, didn't have one center that they could look at as being, you know, that top guy. Now they've got a couple that they they have hope for. Um, and, and if Philip Deneau was willing to accept that role as a third line player, I mean, there's a lot of value in that for him. And I think that the Montreal Canadiens would be thrilled if he would accept that role because it's one that he would excel at. I truly believe that. And because, I mean, uh, there's been periods of time where he's been effective as a first-line center. So, I mean, you shift that down to the third line, he should be he should be uh, be able to excel in that role. Um, and and if ultimately, if, if he doesn't accept that role, I mean, the, the silver lining for the Montreal Canadiens is, okay, yeah, you do have Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. They've also got Ryan Paling. You got Jake Evans. You got a lot of young guys here that you can do mm-hmm. a changing of the guard very quickly if you need to. 
the hope would be that you don't have to do that. And Philip Deneau is willing to accept his role as a, as a third line center, because that's what suits him best as an NHL player. Um, but yeah, you can move on if you need to, but you would hope that Philip Deneau buys in because he is a, he's a very good hockey player. If he was in that role, he would be very good at it. And the Montreal Canadians would likely experience some degree of success, probably be a playoff team. Four out of seven teams, you most most likely the Canadians could at least fight for that for that spot, be in the mix a little bit. So I think that there's there's definitely a reason to believe that he could excel at that role. It's whether or not he buys in. That's going to be the big question. Um, but Rick, we'll move on uh, because there is one thing uh, that's that's hanging over well, the season for all these major sports leagues: uh, COVID nineteen. Um, and how that affects everything. But in addition to that, when we look back to last season, a lot of people, a lot of fans of the Montreal Canadiens were quick to look at the 71 points in 71 games and say, ah, oh, well, you know what? Injuries derailed their season. Uh, when, when that wasn't exactly the case, and that teams like Columbus and Pittsburgh were absolutely decimated by injuries uh, relative to what the Montreal Canadiens had, so the Canadians didn't have it all that bad last year in terms of injuries. They just didn't really perform that well. To be Let's be honest about what happened last year. But if the Canadians are in tough with it this year, with injuries and, and with COVID-19, because there's going to be nights where, you, you know, you might not expect a player to be out of the lineup, and then he's out of the lineup, and you weren't expecting it, and it just sort of happened. So... With all that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a, a juggling act with respect for the Montreal Canadiens. And how do they manage to to do all of the, the their depth, their taxi squad, like all of these things that's just sort of hanging over this season? How are they going to manage that? That's that's a burning question, and yeah. it's, it's certainly <laughs> one that's going to carry through, and and that we can't answer. Yeah. Um, I think it, and it it it's one of those questions that uh, is there for all teams. How are they going to manage this? As you said, on the injury side, the Canadians have um, have been, uh, you know. Uh, they've done okay on on the injury yeah. side. Whether whatever metric you want to use, whether it's uh, important players, whether it's man games, the Canadians last year were right in the middle of the pack, just average uh, in terms yeah. of it was an average year in terms of of injuries. And let's hope uh, that that this year uh, is the same. Uh, the the key was last year the Canadians didn't have the depth to be able to. Uh, absorb those injuries and hopefully have uh, a bit more depth this year to do that. But the real unknown, the real wild card is is uh, and and none of this can be um, you know predicted on paper is how um, how is the pandemic, how is our COVID cases going to affect each and every team, including the Canadians, uh, and how are they going to be able to manage uh, effectively their taxi squad? Uh, when those positive, there's going to be positive cases. We yes. know there's going to be positive yeah. cases. Uh, and how are they going to be able to bring bring people in and out of the lineup from the taxi squad uh, when those positive cases uh, happen? Yeah, and, and that's going to be, a, I mean, it, it can't be an easy job to be on a taxi squad and you just no. have to hop in the lineup and, and be ready to go. I mean, that's that's not something that uh, you really prepare for. I can't imagine as an athlete. I, I know you always have to stay ready. That's that's what they always say, but it can't be true all the time, especially uh, especially now. But but Rick, yeah, you, you touched on it there. I mean, to 
they, like, I mean, if you're if you're wondering about what's going to happen this season, I mean, we obviously don't have any of the answers at this point in time about what injuries might happen, what might what it might all look like. But yeah, the Canadians average last year. If you touch, if if that might go up a little bit, what does that do to the Montreal Canadiens? And if it's some of their bigger names, I mean, that that derails a season right there. So. The Montreal. This is to say, the Montreal Canadiens haven't been as burned by it in in years past as they they, they have. I mean, you think back to 2015-16 and Carey Price. You don't want that to happen, but it's something that could happen. And the Montreal Canadiens have been relatively unscathed by the injury bug. It's it's obviously taken out a couple of guys. Obviously, Shea Weber missed some time with the ankle. Brendan Gallagher, you know, there there were there were key players that missed games, but not an not an immense amount of games. So, yeah, if if that's something that rears its head, that that could you know that could be something that that unfortunately uh, derails a season. But of course, this is all speculation. We don't know until they happen, the injuries themselves. But this is to say that of course you have to look at health as being something that could play a big part in this season for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and yeah, whether or not uh, the COVID cases, uh, how, how much of an impact that plays, you said it, there's going to be positive t- uh, cases, there's going to be positive tests, you have to be prepared for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a strange season in that regard. Uh, but Rick, we just looked at five burning questions facing the Montreal Canadiens, and I think that we had a, had a great conversation about some of these things, about Nick Suzuki, about Yasperi Kotkaniemi. I mean, this is going to be a very fun season once it gets going. January 13th, the 56th game NHL season. So, Rick, uh, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we'll take a look at the answers, take a look at some of the responses and, and the uh, conversation that took place on the All Habs fan page. And we'll wrap it up uh, and stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 116 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, Rick, in the first segment, we had a conversation about Jonathan Drouin. Uh, Following an article from our friend and colleague Chris G, his Habs notepad article, um, that focused on what you would expect from Jonathan Drouin this season. And as you would expect... Uh, this uh, this was a, a hot topic of conversation on the All Habs fan page after yeah. <laughs> reading after these uh, after these fans read the article and and gave their thoughts on Jonathan Drouin. <laughs> and then, uh, you can join us on the uh, All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, there's more than forty thousand members, and we're always happy to hear from all of you and interact with all of you. Uh, but when we asked the question about uh, do you think that Jonathan Drouin will be more consistent this season, well, uh, uh. <laughs> we have Colin Osmond who says, uh, put your ego aside, play hard every shift, and then you will become a real hockey player. Uh, ben Sears says, I have no expectations from him other than he will underperform, be streaky, and then get injured. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gord Linus says, if he keeps up his slacking off play, we should trade him to Tampa for Sergachev. Uh, like that'll ever happen. Sorry, so. MB. Yeah. A disaster that just won't go away. Franklin Jones says he'll start off with a bang. Then he'll be traded by game 25. Then he'll fade and sulk. Oh. Daryl Kennedy <laughs> is direct. Just trade him for God's sake. <laughs> Alan Valancourt says uh, he'll start off decently, but after 20 games, he'll fade. He doesn't like traffic, and he's afraid to get hit. Dana Stone said uh, that would actually consist, uh, the consistency, that is, of actually trying on a nightly Mm. basis. Bob Irvin seems to agree. Try effort every night. That might help. Marvin Ann's way overpaid for his play. Guy Belair, he should be traded. Uh, they should have never got him. It's a lost cause. Art Pollard, like Kovalev, supremely talented. Like Kovalev, hard to motivate. I don't, I don't know if that's yeah, the truth, it's, but but it, it's commonly said. Yeah. Um, and Claude Mate says he's going to do fine this year. If not, um, if he doesn't come out of it, well then goodbye. Yeah. So a leash on him. Uh, maybe a short leash. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like patience is wearing thin uh, when it comes to Jonathan Drouin. I think so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the jury might be out with respect to Jonathan Drouin. And and, and I think we've seen, uh, just to touch on that, uh, I believe it was Art Pollard that had the comment comparing Drouin to Kovalev. We've seen that before. And the thing about that is, as well, uh, Alexei Kovalev managed to get uh, over point per game seasons, uh, Jonathan yeah. Drouin uh, has yet to do that. So you can look at the skill and say, well, yeah, they, they're similar in skill set, kind of. They're, they're very shifty with the puck. They can stick handle in a phone booth. All that stuff is great. 
Alexei Kovalev got results. Uh, Jonathan Drouin has not. Uh, but yeah, it seems as though the jury is out <laughs> amongst Habs fans on Jonathan Drouin. Uh, but Rick, uh, we'll shift gears a little bit here because uh, this is our last episode of 2020. And 2020 has been a strange year to say the least. Uh, but we have, over the course of the year, made some changes in the way that we distribute our podcast, the way we record our podcast. Uh, and and certainly we've made a lot of, of changes that have seemed to have been well received uh, by our listeners, by our subscribers. So we wanted to reflect back on what has been uh, a very strange year, but a, a very productive year for us, and that we've 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 made some changes here. We've had, um, despite the pandemic, uh, as a Rocket Sports team, we've had a, a very good year. I think that uh, we made some changes in terms of personnel and uh, uh, some additions and deletions, and became much closer as a group, a much more effective team. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and you mentioned, uh, with respect to the Canadians connection podcast, with respect to rocket sports radio podcast, we've made big changes. Uh, yeah. when you think about it, uh, n- new equipment, uh, new studio, a new hosting platform, uh, much improved audio, uh, uh, greater distribution as, as, as you said, uh, and a, a greater audience. More of you yes. are, are listening, more of you are sharing, more of you are liking, um, and more of you have subscribed uh, so that you get this podcast uh, every single week. The other thing we did was kind of a risky move, and, and that is we took the press box, and, and whereas we had been packaging them all in one, we, we, uh, we sent it out on, it, on, it, on its own um, and uh, gave it its own feed, and uh, so it had to stand on its own. Uh, we rebranded it um, as uh, the press zone, and uh, and it's flown. It's yeah. <laughs> we we bumped it out of the nest, and it's <laughs> and it's it's flown, and and uh, that's the podcast uh, that Amy Johnson and I do, uh, where we talk about prospects, uh, and uh, it's it's really caught on uh, really well, and we've had some great guests uh, yeah. throughout the year. So. Um, I want to thank you uh, for uh, being open to these changes and and uh, uh, that uh, we've we've even improved the way um, we interact and and uh, yeah. um, I, I I've um, although it's been a difficult season in many ways it's been a great season for us on the Canadians Connection and I I can't wait till twenty twenty one absolutely and twenty twenty one. Is when we we put all every year it, it, it's this way, but especially 2020 going to 2021, a lot of hopes about what the new year is going to bring uh, for all of us, and uh, we want to wish a happy new year. We won't be back until it's 2021. The next episode will be the first of 2021, and we want to wish everyone a happy new year. Um, and and some definitely want to have uh, some better times than we had in 2020 uh, in the new year, and we want to wish all the best. To all of our listeners, our subscribers, followers, everybody that's listening to this, thank you for listening. But uh, yeah, we want to say Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Happy New Year and uh, stay safe, stay well, yes. uh, and be happy. Absolutely. And we will see you in 2021. So, Rick, 
With all that said, we'll wrap it up for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens, probably toss some world juniors in there as well. And uh, we'll be back discussing all the things that you come to expect from the Canadians Connection podcast. You'll be informed and entertained the best of our ability so rick we'll be back next week thank you for tuning into the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio click subscribe so you never miss an episode of canadians connection visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the montreal canadians